Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. is the Tom Hartman Program. It's time for our Freedom Passports. Indeed, what red-blooded Nazi armband-wearing, Confederate flag-waving, capital-invading, gun-toting, Trump-humping American patriot could possibly refuse? We will get to that in just a moment. The unvaccinated, it turns out, are destroying our health care system, and in many ways our society as well. I'll get to that. And... The most bizarre crazy alert, Fox News, women, Kamala Harris, it's getting weird. We'll get to that. But I wanted to start out with our freedom passports. You know, it's, it's time to have freedom passports. I mean, you know, the Pfizer vaccine is now fully approved. Those of us who did the right thing and got vaccinated are sick and tired of living half a life because of the COVIDians out there who refuse to get vaccinated. Um, In my opinion, it's time to let them stand on the outside of society looking in rather than the rest of us. You know, no shoes, no shirt, no passport, no service. California and New York have created their own certificates of vaccination that could be used as passports. Clear, the company that speeds you through airports based on biometrics like your fingerprint. They're offering a COVID passport. I have one with them, in fact. And they're offering a free version if you're not a subscriber to Clear. But the most interesting part of this is that the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, has this program called vSafe. Just plug it into a search engine, V-S-A-F-E, vSafe. And it is everything except the app. You plug in your personal information, a little bit of your personal, you know, enough that they can tie you to the database in your state, because our states do actually keep track of who's vaccinated and who isn't, or at least who's vaccinated. And it pulls that data in and puts it in the app and and creates a little picture. I've got the picture on my phone of your basically vaccine passport. This is the Centers for Disease Control. You know, vaccine passports are not new things. Back in 1979, I got the first one, you know, the first, my first real vaccine passport. It was a yellow card and it listed, and and I had to go to a special doctor because I was, I was traveling in parts of the world where there's diseases that we don't have here, you know, dengue fever and, and uh, stuff like that. And uh, I had to be a yellow fever, cholera. I had to be vaccinated against this stuff. 
and they the the special you know tropical disease doctor who specializes in you know setting people up getting people ready to travel overseas um, after I got these vaccines which one, one of them just like turned my arm black and and uh, made me feel like sick as a dog for a couple of days but you know hey it's you know the the, the diseases in, in some of these parts of the world are just absolutely worse than the vaccine and for she's the better part of 20 years right up until the late 80s i carried that yellow passport the vaccine passport inside my regular passport i didn't have to just show it to get out of the country i had to show it to get back into the country so you know this is nothing new we've been doing this in our schools for 40 years you want to go to school show your vaccine status you know if you really want to own the cons we, we should, you know, the CDC could create a vaccine passport with a picture on it, and we could designate that as ID to vote with. <laughs> How about that? Anyhow, IATA is doing this, the International Transport Association. They're, they're coming up with one. IBM is coming up with one. Uh, Israel has rolled one out. Denmark has rolled one out. France has rolled one out now, the United Kingdom. I mean, doesn't it, people say, oh, but what about my freedom? Well, what about my freedom not to die? What about my freedom to go to a restaurant or a bar or a public venue and not worry that the person next to me is blowing a billion viruses a minute at me? I mean, freedom is such a misused word. Shouldn't we have the freedom to remain free of illness? That's why I think we should call these things freedom passports. I mean, it's really bizarre when you think, you know, legislators in Texas and Arkansas have come right out and said that a woman who wants to get an abortion or gets an abortion should face the death penalty or at least life, at least life in prison, you know, because of death. And yet they want people to be able to blow a deadly disease in your face because they've joined the anti-mask, anti-vax Trump cult. I mean, maybe we should call them right-to-life passports. What do you think? But anyway, the main international objection to passports is that it's going to widen the divide between the haves and the have-nots. This, in this case, you know, there's about a billion people on planet Earth who have no ID whatsoever. Well, a vaccine passport could be their, their entree into the world of having some sort of identification. You know, we did this back in the 80s with smoking in restaurants. I'd rather eat without having you blow your poisonous smoke in my face. Why can't we say I'd rather eat and not have you blow your poisonous viruses in my face? I mean, the NFL is, has weighed in on this. You get private businesses. I, 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 I just don't get the opposition to this, right? Like Ron DeSantis, he's, he's uh, you know, uh, who appears to be hiding some of the deaths down in Florida. He says, oh, he's never going to allow a private business to require a vaccine passport, including cruise lines, who are suing him. But he's fine with private businesses saying, oh, we won't bake a cake for you if you're gay. Forget it. He's fine with that. So when it comes to dancing to the tune of the Trump cult, DeSantis and his buddies are like, oh, freedom, freedom. But when it comes to LGBTQ people saying, hey, we'd like to have a wedding, 
For a woman, I'd like to get an abortion. Uh, DeSantis is like, oh, no, 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 oh, no, no, freedom, freedom. Are you kidding? Not for me. So call them freedom passports. What red-blooded Nazi armband-wearing Confederate flag-waving patriot could object? This is the Tom Hartman Program. I mean, this is freedom passports. I, I really seriously think it's time for us to have a vaccine passport in this country. Seriously. And welcome back. Jessica in Chicago. Hey, Jessica, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I love how you said right to life passports. Um, I love the fact that in Florida, I'm so proud of the parents there who have taken out a class action lawsuit against Governor death sentence for endangering their children in school. And I had mentioned if people start suing, they'll they'll change them. And Mm -hmm. then I agree with you on another thing. Um, The government should not be paying for all these Florida people taking this Regeneron, um, these doses to get them better when they do not get vaccinated. And a very wise person said to me, the Regeneron should only be given to those in the hospital who were vaccinated. Not to the unvaccinated. That um, the government shouldn't even be paying for. That is ridiculous. And you're right. We will go into debt, um, and then uh, Biden will be blamed for this. And it's all because of these people who think they can just use the system. It's and of course the Santos makes money on that too. It's ridiculous. So I'm going to call. Um, uh, my senators, um, I'm going to call Nancy Pelosi, too. That's crazy. Yeah, it does seem that way, Jessica. And and it's costing society a fortune. I mean, you know, all these unvaccinated people showing up in ER rooms when many of them also don't have insurance or they're on Medicaid um, or on Medicare, although this is increasingly striking young working class, you know, working age people, uh, low income working age people. And it, I, the cost of Florida for, for Ron DeSantis, you know, political grandstanding just because he wants to be the Republican nominee for president has to be huge. Yeah, it should only go to those who are vaccinated. I'm going to put that word in. Yeah, well, you know, that, that does open a can of worms. On the one hand, you've got the precedent of if you're in line for a liver transplant and you have a drink within six months of the transplant, you lose your place in line and you know because they can they can check your body and see when the last time you had a drink was on the other hand do you really want to start this process of saying that we're not going to give lung cancer treatment to smokers we're not going to give uh, diabetes uh, treatment to people who are overweight you know with type 2 diabetes you know I think we kind of had that debate about the ethics of all this and decided that those are not decisions that physicians should be making a lot of physicians are so fed up. They want to go on strike. They're, yeah. they're worn out. And I just think if they have the resource to get Regeneron, they think they cannot get vaccinated. Yeah. Um, something has to change. Yeah, I agree. And DeSantis is setting up these Regeneron treatment centers all around Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, they're not also offering vaccines. No, I'm not. Which is it. weird. Because all the Republicans are making money off of Regeneron. It's so insane. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, 
I, I got a note this morning from somebody at Citadel, the hedge fund that is, you know, one of the major investors in Regeneron saying, you know, this is one of our smallest investments. This is not something that we're pushing. You know, <laughs> we're not trying to make, you know, obviously they're trying to make money on everything, but we'll see. Jessica, thank you for the call. It's nice to hear from you. It's always nice to hear from you. We'll continue our conversation and pick up your calls. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Elise in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Elise, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I have a suggestion about unvaccinated people mm-hmm. that they should be offered the chance to sign a waiver saying that if they do not get vaccinated, if they get if they get COVID and they are unvaccinated, they sign a waiver saying that they will not go to a hospital if they get COVID. Yeah. I, okay. you, you think that's going to keep them out? I mean, th- these are people who have proclaimed on Facebook at, uh, you know, ad nauseum how I've got a great immune system. I'm young and healthy. I, you know, I, I watch Sean Hannity and he tells me I don't need to care about this, uh, you know, or Tucker Carlson or fill in the blanks, you know. And, uh, you know, they're all full of piss and vinegar until they get really sick. And then it's like, oh, somebody please help me. I can't breathe. Um, well- yeah, right. So, so if they want to, if they want to take the chance, they, if they think they're so, um, you know, immune indestructible, to, yeah. yeah, right. Then they can sign a waiver saying, "I will not go to the hospital if I get COVID." Should I we mean, have people who buy cigarettes sign a similar waiver saying that they will not go to the hospital if they get lung cancer? Oh boy, I know all this is. It's really difficult. This is where it gets weird, you know. I know we're we're crashing our healthcare system, which is really bad to begin with. That's true. But uh, and we're not okay, doing that with cigarettes. Uh, you know, we've we've figured or, out how to accommodate or, a half million deaths from cigarettes every year, but six hundred thousand right. deaths from COVID, and and millions of people hospitalized, who who many of whom don't die, uh, not you know now that they're using these steroid treatments and Regeneron and things right. like that. Well, we're and the, how long are the healthcare workers going to last here? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Good question. How, how long is the system going to last? I, I just, I, I've thought for months that at some point the healthcare system maybe not in well in several states anyway it's going to crash. Yeah. They just won't be able to handle. Well, it's, so, it's already is crashing in some states. In, I know. In, in Mississippi and Alabama. So, here in right. Oregon, we're on the edge of it. Uh, the, the our governor has asked for a you know I mean you're here in Portland at least they, uh, you know right. Governor, governor Brown has asked for field right. hospitals right. This is getting grim. Thank you for the call. Larry in Los Angeles. Hey, Larry, what's on your mind? Hi. You had asked the question, who's, who will take the blame for a crash in the economy? And, of course, yes, the Republicans are trying to use COVID. But I'm, I'm looking at what the mainstream media, or as some, is sometimes is called the liberal biased media, what right. they're doing regarding their uh, coverage of Afghanistan, where they are trying to blame Biden almost exclusively, or they will even go back to, and try to blame uh, George W. Bush. Yeah. And they skip Donald Trump, the yeah. man who yeah, negotiated the surrender of Afghanistan to the Taliban after he released their leader. That's right. And 5,000 of the top fighters. And, five, and he gave them 5,000 fighters to go along with it. 
and then predicted that it would fall in two days. Yep. And this is treason. If I've never heard treason about uh, a, a good definition of treason, this would be it. He should go under. Uh, uh, the courts are getting for that. Yeah, and and, so, and because this is a time of war, and treason largely right. applies to during times of war. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he helped the enemy tremendously to the point where uh, where he's running around laughing about it. He's, he's even yeah. uh, admitting this when he goes on these tours that he's going on, talking about he fixed it so no one is going to go back into Afghanistan. He fixed it so they can't reverse what he did. Yep. He, he made the and bragged so about strong. it. And bragged about it and at, at about one of his rallies just a, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And it's, it's just amazing to me that our mainstream media, and, I, and I'll tell you the reason why they're, they're so gung-ho trying not to, to, um, to blame Trump. They love Trump's tax cut. Biden's next mission is to increase taxes on the rich and the corporations. They don't want that to happen. So they're yep. trying to destroy Biden as much as they can so that when he when he comes in to uh, to give us this tax increase on the rich, some of the Democrats who have a weak um, uh, constitution, some of them are going to start uh, ganging up with the uh, the Taliban Republicans. It's already happened, Larry. We've got there there are nine Democrats now who are uh, sponsored by No Labels, which is this this phony front group that Wall Street a bunch of Wall Street guys funded some time ago. Uh, they have this thing called the Problem Solvers Caucus. One of them represents Portland, or parts of you know the southern part of Portland. Kurt, Kurt Schrader in the U.S. House of Representatives. He's a Democrat, and he's one of these nine people who've come out and said that they're not going to vote for the three and a half trillion dollar bill because it's too much money. When when really what they're saying is exactly what you're saying, Larry. It's too, it's going to raise the taxes on the rich people who are paying our bills. And, and we have never had a, re a recession after a tax increase. And you, anybody can go in and, and look in the history of that. That's correct. And, there's the other, and the other thing is they're calling this the Biden troop withdrawal. And I looked and looked and looked. Biden hasn't removed one trooper from Afghanistan. Trump did from 13,000 to 2.5,000. And he gave the Taliban 5,000, understand? So he, he doubled the amount of people that the Taliban had to fight us. And he knocked us down to 2,500, and right. it, it, it stayed at 2,500 until Biden started bringing more people in because the 2,500 wasn't even going to be able to um, protect one venue in no. Afghanistan. So yeah. Biden took them all and put them in, into the one part where he said, "I can't, I need this one." So he he, he got the airport, but he was there was no way 2,500 people scattered around Afghanistan was going to be able to hold any of those other uh, venues. And so everything that Biden has done, it seems like he's done the right thing, given what Trump left him. I agree. Trump is the traitor. I agree. I agree. Larry, thank you for the call. Nettie in Melbourne, Florida. Hey, Nettie, what's going on down there? Hi, I just wanted to say, a com have a comment. DeSantis is using um, the Regeneron like mm -hmm. they accuse women of using abortions for birth control. <laughs> you know, after the fact. <laughs> right. And then I just want to, I just now heard you say about nine Democrats, it's 10. Stephanie Murphy from Florida just joined in. Oh, really? Oh, so they're, they're mm -hmm. shoveling some money her way, too, huh? Right, probably. Yeah. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. That's, uh, you know, unfortunate, but I get it. Tony in Henderson, Nevada. Hey, Tony, what's up? Hey, Tom, uh, with your opening on the freedom passports, mm -hmm. I love that idea. But mm -hmm. I feel like if the Democrats, if we say freedom, it gets pushed back. If the Republicans say freedom, everybody's gung-ho. Well, hey, why don't we appropriate the what word? What do you think? 
You know, uh, it's like there's no, I would it's love not, to. It's not like there's I, not I a history you. of this being done. You know, the, the right to life movement prior to 1973 was the anti-death penalty movement. It was all over the country. There were right to life chapters. These were these were groups who were committed to ending the death penalty in the United States. And then the anti-abortion people hijacked that phrase. And within a year or two, they owned it. I mean, you know, let's let's own freedom. I, I'd love to. Every time I try to get the pushback, like, oh, oh, you're not for freedom. You're against freedom. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are you? How are you what free are you if you've about? got a breathing tube down your throat? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I work in grocery, and constantly there's people walking around with no masks in the store, and it yeah. it, it creeps me out. Yeah. I can't stand it. Oh, it's terrible. It's 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 a it's a threat to you and to everybody around them, and it's inconsiderate and thoughtless. Tony, thank you for the call. Thanks for listening, yeah, Tom. You're thanks. welcome. Thanks, and thanks for watching us on YouTube there in uh, in Nevada. Stick around. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com Hartman, with two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, with two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is by Robin Marty. It's titled Handbook for a Post-Row, as in Roe v. Wade, for a Post-Row America. And the cut line on the front says, the future without Roe is coming straight at us. This is the roadmap you need for the tough times ahead. This is from Chapter 7, page 101, titled Knowing Your Comfort Zone, Why Civil Disobedience. Access to abortion and birth control isn't just a health care issue and an economic issue, it's also a civil rights issue. And like every civil rights battle, gains are made through acts of civil disobedience or working outside the legal framework. Married people officially gained the right to access birth control only after Estelle Griswold, the executive director of the Planned Parenthood League of Connecticut, opened a clinic and began offering contraception in direct opposition to the 1960s state law forbidding it. 
That right was extended to single people in 1972 after Bill Baird was arrested in 1967 for purposely flaunting the Massachusetts law and publicly providing contraceptives to an unmarried woman during a college lecture. The Clergy Consultation Service on Abortion spent much of the 1960s and early 70s prior to the Roe decision assisting pregnant people in finding safe abortions either from legal or illegal providers throughout the country and across the borders. And there were groups like Jane's Collective that provided the service themselves, even at the risk of their own arrest. Today, people are highlighting a number of issues through acts of civil disobedience. North Carolina had weekly mass arrests at their state capitol during Moral Mondays protests, while the Black Lives Matter movement physically closed highways with their bodies. And of course, when Brett Kavanaugh was appointed to the Supreme Court, hundreds of activists were arrested, some multiple times, for interrupting his hearings, protesting in the Hart Building, when it became clear the Senate Judiciary was not going to investigate claims of past sexual assault. Some protesters even blocked the stairs prior to Kavanaugh's swearing-in ceremony. As our society recedes further into racism, sexism, xenophobia, and classism, opposing the power structure through nonviolent means grows more imperative. Aaron Matson, the co-founder of the reproductive rights group Repro Action and Teen Vogue, wrote, if Roe is overturned or gutted, it is certain that some states will propose and enact some abortion bans, new abortion bans. Again, nonviolent civil disobedience should remain on the table, this time targeting state and municipal level lawmakers. We must remember that while in several contexts, abortion rights supporters lack immediate political power, in spite of the fact that nearly seven in 10 Americans do not want to see Roe overturned, we always retain the power of using our bodies to stop or slow the machinery of state repression. End of quote. Matson adds, ultimately, it's up to activists to decide. Are we willing to break convention if lobbying fails? Are we willing to strategically expose ourselves to the risks of arrest? And if we are not, are we willing to look into the eyes of the future generations who will be incarcerated for abortions, miscarriages, and pregnancy complications? End of quote. ReproAction is a growing network of state-based activists that conducts political events, teach-ins, and other direct actions to increase access to abortion and birth control services. They currently have national campaigns as well as individual campaigns in D.C., Virginia, Missouri, Arkansas, and Wisconsin. You can join up with or financially support Repro Action to increase their national and local reach. Subchapter title, Is Civil Disobedience Right for Me? What are you willing to do to make sure that you, the people you know, or even total strangers have access to contraception and abortion care, especially once more abortion options become illegal? Are you willing to be arrested if you participate in direct action or nonviolent protest? Is helping someone obtain abortion pills worth a potential prison sentence? Would you drive a teen to another state to get an abortion if that drive makes you an abortion facilitator and thus a federal criminal? You may believe you're willing to risk everything to help someone get an abortion, and that may well be what is needed in some cases in a post-Roe America. But make sure that you've really thought out all the consequences of such a radical approach. These are the questions you should be asking yourself now before new laws are put into place. One small silver lining of the Trump era is the way it has energized so many people to actively resist the political agenda. There are more activists, donors, candidates, and protesters than there have been in decades. And that means lots of people who can work together and step in when and where people are needed. But in certain geographic areas, it is and will continue to be harder to find those with the ability and privilege to do resistance work. For example, with the Trump administration's increasing militarization of ICE and border security, checkpoints into and out of America will be more scrutinized than ever before. With a population that in many cases is literally trapped in places like the Rio Grande Valley or Las Cruces, 
where undocumented people can neither leave the country for services nor go further into the U.S. for care, the need for additional action and people who have the willingness and ability to act may be greater than in New York City or the Bay Area. Maybe you have a very specific skill set. You might be medically trained, have a legal background, or maybe you've done counseling or social work, or you're a member of the clergy. These are people who will add a lot of value to the movement, especially if it turns out civil disobedience is the right way to proceed. Ask yourself if you're the only person who can do the thing you're considering doing, or if there's a number of people like you who are planning to step up. Then ask yourself what sort of risk you may be running and how those factors balance out. It's almost impossible to be a solitary activist these days, but there are spaces where you can manage. Letter writing campaigns, social media campaigns, information distribution, and fundraising can all be accomplished in a fairly solitary environment. Handbook for a post-Roe America. And welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you and the unvaccinated Roin America. I mean, they're costing us a damn fortune. If I was a Republican, I'd be screaming about the budget deficits that the red states are, are incurring as a consequence of uninsured people getting COVID and getting sick enough that they, you know, that they're showing up in the ERs, which raises an interesting question. If you, if you don't believe in medicine so much, you're unwilling to get vaccinated, why are you showing up at the emergency room where they practice medicine? Why not, you know, if you, if you think you might die from, from uh, COVID, why not, uh, you know, go onto Facebook and, and log into one of the Facebook groups that told you not to get vaccinated? And ask them for advice. That's where you got your initial advice, right? John McCarter wrote a great piece over at the Daily Kos. It's titled, The Unvaccinated Are Breaking Everything. The bank, the healthcare system, the bonds of society. She's quoting a, uh, a respiratory therapist at St. Luke's Hospital in Boise, Nancy Roberts. She said, it's rough. You leave here having worked a very hard shift and trying to take care of people and not everybody makes it. So it absolutely does wear you down. Um, and uh, Roberts goes on to point out that it's bad in Ohio, but, but uh, as Joe McCarter notes, magnify that several thousand times in Florida or in Texas. And you can, uh, you know, or at Mississippi where Governor Tate Reeves is like, oh, there's no big deal. Uh, and, and you can get, you know, why some of these doctors, I mean, there was a mini strike by doctors down in Florida yesterday. The, uh, a radiation oncologist in Tampa, a doctor by the name of uh, Pariani, he says the unvaccinated are killing people in ways they probably never imagined. He tells the story. He says, I got a call from a hospital that doesn't have a cancer program. These are relatively routine calls. Uh, you know, you've, you've, you've got a cancer patient who's gone acute, they have a crisis, you need to get them to a hospital that's got a cancer ward, right? So he gets this call. And he says the doctor at the outline hospital had a pat patient with metastatic brain cancer. She was unable to walk, and without urgent radiation treatment, there was no hope for any meaningful recovery. And then he goes on to say, we had no beds available. We had paused elective surgeries the previous week because we're trying to control the influx of COVID patients. Our emergency department has a 12-hour delay, had a 12-hour delay that, or wait that, that day. I had no choice. For the first time in my career, I had to say no. 
Mississippi is now using paramedics as docs to take care of patients in emergency rooms. Tennessee has deployed the National Guard. They're letting health care workers provide care that they're not licensed to give. Here in Oregon, Kate Brown has appealed to FEMA. She's asking them to build a, a field hospital. We've got the red counties in this state are just wiped out. And they're sending all their surplus patients here into Multnomah County, into the Portland area, because our hospitals are not yet full. We're only at 93% capacity. But our governor, Kate Brown, came right out and said, there may not be a staffed bed for you if you have an emergent, a medical emergency. In other words, because of the COVID idiots, because of these people who are refusing to get vaccinated, if you have a heart attack, you may well die without seeing a doctor. If you have a stroke, you may end up paralyzed for the rest of your life without seeing a doctor. If you get in a car accident and you have broken bones or you're starting to bleed out, you may die or end up with a life-changing injury without being able to see a doctor you know, in a timely fashion that could save your life. This is, this is just amazing. Tiffany Murdoch, hospital administrator for the Singing River Health System in coastal Mississippi, quote, the hospitalizations and deaths are from the Delta variant and they're absolutely overwhelming from vaccine refusers. We've had four, excuse me, that's, that's a quote from Joan McCarter. Now, now is Tiffany. Quote, we've had 44-year-olds, 45, 35-year-olds that have died. I've been a nurse for 15 years and I've never seen anything like it. She talked about a husband and wife who were in their 40s, both unvaccinated. They both just died. She said, we've had five people die, like room after room after room, just on Friday. This is a quote from last week. And what's this costing us? Well, according to the Kaiser Family Fund, they did an analysis, and they said that just the last two months have cost America $2 billion just caring for unvaccinated people. For the Trump holes, the COVID idiots, the whatever you want to call them. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that 37,000 preventable hospitalizations have occurred because people are not vaccinated with, for COVID. And that was just in June. There's 76,000 in July, and here we are in August. They haven't compiled the statistics for this month yet. Those, those will come out in, in the next week. But last month, it went from 37,000 in June, unnecessary hospitalizations because people aren't vaccinated from 37,000 in June to 76,000 in July. I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be 150,000, 200,000 this year. And somebody has to pay for that. Dora Rubenstein Rice, an expert on vaccine policy at UC Hastings College of Law, says people who don't vaccinate are imposing costs on the community that they're not paying for. She says, you know, it's like companies that pollute and don't and don't cover the costs should we be charging unvaccinated people more well the, the tragedy is particularly in states like florida and mississippi and texas that have not expanded medicaid is that not only are many of these folks these fox news watchers and these trump humpers not only are they unvaccinated they're also uninsured and they don't even have access to Medicaid because their Republican governors refuse to expand Medicaid in their states. And so who's paying the bill? You and me. These are the states that for every dollar they send to Washington, D.C., they get back $2 or $2.50 or $3 back 
Now they're going to be getting 4 and $5 back because we're paying for their ER costs. Enough. It's time for freedom passports or right-to-life passports or whatever the hell you want to call them. It's, it's time for Americans who, 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 you know, the vast majority of us who took the rational steps to stand up and say, enough. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. What say you? Hey, Tom Hartman here. Just wanted to give you a heads up that we have an absolutely free newsletter. You can subscribe to it over at TomHartman.com. And every day, Sue, who works on our newsletter, puts together what we call Sue's Daily Stack. It's literally a link to every story I have referenced on the air in the program. And she compiles these throughout the program and then gets the newsletter together. And it goes out an hour or two after the show is off the air. And it's just absolutely extraordinary and something I think you'll find really useful. So check it out at TomHartman.com. And welcome back. Quick uh, crazy alert here for you. This is mind-boggling. Harris Faulkner over on uh, Fox News says, uh, well, let's just, uh, you know, over in, in uh, Afghanistan, the Taliban are, quote, hunting women. So let's send our vice president. She's a woman. I'm not kidding. This Here's the actual quote. Quote, why doesn't she go to Afghanistan? I mean, if she really cares about women, Biden told her to be the last person in the room in Afghanistan, so she owns it. And with a country that so literally, is literally so bloodthirsty for its women right now, we have such a high-profile woman breaking barriers and all with Kamala Harris. Why can't we find a detail to get her someplace safely into Afghanistan? Gosh, wouldn't that be a moment? Wouldn't it be a moment to see a nation's female vice president sit down in a country that hunts less women like bugs under their shoes? They just want to kill us. They just want us to capitulate to their every need, which includes slavery. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, somehow I think that when a Fox host starts suggesting that our female vice president should go to Afghanistan because they, quote, hunt women, that it's not being said with the very best intentions for the fate and future and safety and life of our vice president. I could be wrong. I could be completely misinterpreting what, her, what uh, Ms. Faulkner has to say. But I doubt it. I doubt it. So, so, you know, we've been having some of the, the weirdest experiences out here. You know, Louise trying to find a contractor and saying, you, you are vaccinated, right? And people going off at her on the phone. And so, I mean, it's just, it's a very, very strange time. Michelle in Kansas City, Missouri. Hey, Michelle, you have an update on, uh, on a restaurant? Yes, my husband's active chef at the ship, and they were the first and I think the only restaurant in town to say you have to show proof of vaccination to come inside. Uh-huh. Um, and how's it going? A man, oh, they've been boost. You know, business is great. They uh -huh. did um, make a concession, and they got a special use permit to put, you know, benches on the sidewalk so people could eat out there. Mm -hmm. A man wanted to come in last week, and he had no proof of vaccination. So they said, "Well, you can sit out here on the picnic bench," and he threw a fit, left, and then he went and called the health department and turned them in for health code violations. Of, you know, throwing, apparently uh, he said they were throwing food and drinks on the sidewalk. Well, 
stupid and know that's not happening. And luckily, you know, my husband runs a 98% health, you know, clear uh, kitchen. And the health department person was like, I thought it sounded kind of specious, but, but, you know, the the complaint. But 20 people work at this restaurant. And this person, because they didn't want to sit outside. I'm sorry. If you don't want to sit outside in August in Kansas City, go to another restaurant. They could have lost, if they had to shut down, 20 people could have lost their jobs. Not to mention the owners losing their income. These people are just mean-spirited and arrogant, and I was beside myself. And selfish. And selfish. Yes, I, I mean, it's, a, it's just... And, and the owners went out of their way to get a special use permit to put picnic tables on the sidewalk mm-hmm. so people who didn't want to come inside could, and this person just couldn't accept it. Just didn't. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's my rant for the day, Tom. Okay, well, thank you, Michelle, and thanks for keeping us up to date. And tell your husband, thumbs up from us. And, and uh, if we were in Kansas City, we'd be there having dinner. Thank you. And it's called The Ship, and it looks like a ship inside. Sounds like it's called The Ship in Kansas City. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. Good talking to you. Alfredo in Mountain View. Hey, Alfredo, what's on your mind today? Hey, hi, Tom. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, people who throw out these rights, they have the right not to get vaccinated. They need to be told this is not a rights issue. This is a public health issue. This is a pandemic. And another thing is the echo chambers like Fox News, I think the Department of Justice should sue these people. They are not doctors. They are not scientists. They are not qualified to give any health advice to anyone. And yet they're doing that and they're killing people. They should be held liable for that. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And in 1905, there was a Supreme Court decision called Jacobson v. Massachusetts. And it was about a guy named Jacobson who refused to get vaccinated for smallpox. Said, you know, he was an Mm -hmm. anti-vaxxer. And Justice John Marshall Harlan wrote the uh, majority uh, opinion. And he said, and I'm quoting from this 1905 Supreme Court decision, which is still the law of the land, quote, The Constitution does not import an absolute right in each person to be, at all times and in all circumstances, wholly freed from restraint. Instead, a community has the right to protect itself against an epidemic. Its members may, at times, under the pressure of great dangers, be subjected to such restraint to be enforced by reasonable regulations and as the safety of the general public may demand. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Rights are not absolute. They have restrictions and limitations by the courts. Thank yes. you, Tom. Thank you, uh, Alfredo. And they're, and they're typically associated with responsibilities. You know, you have the right to free speech. You have the responsibility not to use that right to yell fire in a crowded theater. Nancy in Elkhart, Elkhart Indiana. Hey, Nancy, what's on your mind today? Now, thank you, Tom. Um, I had, um, excuse me, two, uh, two of our counties, two of our schools in our county have already made it mandatory to uh, have the have the vaccines mm-hmm. and once when i was teaching for middle staff, school yeah yeah no for this they put it for the school they're going to see how it oh, works for students over 12 as well yes yes cool. because they are because uh, they just have they, they didn't have enough teachers first of all to start right. school with but when i was teaching middle school one time in a self-contained classroom this was probably about over 10 years ago i had a student uh, that was sent back from the high school when she was ready to go to high school. Her vaccination, her yeah, the vaccinations were not up to par, and they actually sent her back, and she was in my classroom, and it proved to the other students that what we what they said. They kicked her out of the high school and sent her back to middle school. 
she sent her back to my classroom. And I said, well, hello, Cindy. And uh, because it was a self-contained class, it was a special class. Oh. And as soon as that happened, her mother had to come there and either get her or let her sit there. Oh, with so me. The, so, so I, I think I understand this now. So you had you have a class where you have the same kids in that class all day long, whereas normally yeah. kids move from class to class every hour, and thereby an yeah. unvaccinated person could spread a disease throughout the entire school. So they took this kid oh. out and put them in your self-contained. I get it now, Nancy. Just trying to understand. Yeah, she was that. heading for high school, right? Yeah. And she had to go to high school. All the kids, you know, when they transfer sure. from middle school, sure, over to high school, and you know, like any any time else in schools, you know, like even when we went to school, mm-hmm. yeah, you had to have your requirements. So you know, when they go to high school, they have to check all their vaccines. Vaccinated had to check the vaccines, and when they couldn't, they didn't have it. So they said, "Sorry, go back to your middle school." <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's I, you know I think particularly now that uh, at least the Pfizer vaccine has been fully approved by the Food and Drug Administration, and uh, probably it's going to be six to eight weeks before we get uh, approval for kids over five. But uh, I think we're moving. Well, I guarantee you, the parents, those parents aren't going to argue with their kids. They don't yeah. care You're about listening our- to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archive. Yes, your point is well made. Thank you very much for the call. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Patrick in Santa Monica. Hey, Patrick, what's on your mind today? Hey, I got a notice of this article over the weekend. Hundreds of soldiers fleeing over the border to Uzbekistan and 22 aircraft and 24 helicopters have been forced down one aircraft one aircraft was shot down and another two aircraft re- crashed into each other when being forced down over uzbekistan these people are fleeing afghanistan yeah I, they, they, there's also a, an enormous pressure on the turkish border right now and, and turkey has reinforced their border and they're pushing people back i mean it's like the, the whole country 
is is coming yeah, apart, well, which could have been predicted when Trump turned the country over to the Taliban last year. Yeah, well, this is from the uh, their their AG, their their attorney general. He's arrested 43 injured soldiers that were fleeing. The Afghan attorney general has arrested or no, no, the Uzbekistan. The Uzbekistan. Oh, as, oh, geez. So so it's Uzbek soldiers who are or he's arresting no, Afghans. No, no, no. These are fleeing Afghans that yeah. are being arrested and yeah. detained. Yeah, I'm by not. the AG. Yeah, it's it, you know, this is just part of this this ongoing tragedy. I, I, I am not surprised. Patrick, thank you for the information. Uh, Jason in Homestead, Florida. Hey, Jason, what's up? Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm just calling to um, answer, have, a, have an answer, I think, for the problem with people that won't get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And I have people in my family that, that refuse to get vaccinated, have gotten sick and traveled the world and actually still are actually working in Miami-Dade County government, believe it or not. Mm. But um, my point is, is that we can't morally reject people to save them, in my opinion. And we can't... Um, well, yeah, this is on the one hand, this is why we don't turn away smokers when they show up with lung cancer. You know, we exactly. do everything we They're can not to even treat the them. the same comparison. But, but, but on the other hand, there is a precedent for this with transplants. If you're on a liver transplant list and you have a drink within the last six months, you get bounced off the list. Well, I, I, I hear you on that because other people need it. And everything, yeah. but you know, it's it's. Well, other it's people like need these hospital smoking. beds right now. A, here, here, here in Oregon, if you have a heart attack, there's a good chance you're not you're not going to see a doc. Well, I don't exactly. know how big the chance is. But, 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 but I'm getting kind of off tangent because what I was thinking is the solution is to that. But I'll just say one thing real quick. People with cigarettes, I have a grandmother. They're addicted. I agree. I mean, they're flat out addictions with that. And people that are on the COVID, they're not addicted. They're just dumb. You know, well, you could you could argue straight, that they're know? psychologically addicted to right wing media, but but I get well, your point. I, I get mean, you. I get your point. Uh, yeah. And and and, but, and and but you know people people on the liver transplant list are typically struggling with alcohol addiction. Well, so. that's true. But that's it, true. it's it's, it's true. you know it's a it's a complex one. But let's just start at the very least. Jason, thank you for the call. Let's just start with with uh, freedom passports, COVID passports. Uh, you know, so that businesses can get back to some semblance of normal. Kirk in Lakeland, Florida. Hey, Kirk, what's on your mind? Greetings, Tom. Hey, listen, I, just a couple of points. I live in uh, <clears throat> central Florida, Polk County, uh, and so our school board is uh, going to revisit the mask, uh, the mask issue tonight, uh, and we're having the uh, school board meeting at 5. So I, I'm really happy about that, and the reason I said it is because we're a really heavily red district, and so uh, it, it had to have been addressed enough for them to have to bring up a, uh, you know, a, another emergency meeting to address it. So yeah. uh, there must be enough concerned parents. So uh, I, I'm very hopeful on that side. Um, the other thing I wanted to just talk about was like, when it comes to Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott, you know, people, they used to say Obama death panels, that when, when they came out with Obamacare, that <clears throat> Obama, you know, it was like, you know, they were gonna pick out the people who were gonna die uh, as a result of treatment. And so, I. Shouldn't this narrative kind of be spun the same way with DeSantis and, and uh, Abbott that they've essentially created death panels that they've picked out people? And, and in this for in an unfortunate case, it's included kids. 
Yeah. So, uh, I don't think the then, death panels thing works because, you know, it's a metaphor that has a very specific meaning in people's minds. But, uh, you know, willing to let people die to further their political ambitions is, a, I think, a short enough phrase that, sure. you know, I, I, I'd, obviously, you know, it'd be nice if we had a Frank Luntz word phrase, you know, like death panels that had been uh, focus group tested. But um, we've got to come up with something that's, you know, that, that describes what's going on here. I have one last thing, and I'll be brief. Uh, hey, Tom, I have ADD, so I had to write everything down, and you remind me, uh, thank you for addressing that, but my last issue was, um, I, I love ideas, and my ideas are always to incentivize people to get vaccines, but at the end of the day, um, we disincentivize people from not getting vaccines. So how do we do that? Well, we don't. It's actually big business, and it's insurance. So next year, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield is not going to lose any money. They're going to raise everyone's rates, and if you haven't been oh, yeah. vaccinated... We're, we're all paying for this through our taxes, number one, and we will soon be paying through our health insurance policies. Thank you very much, Kirk. Bill in Albany, Georgia. Bill, I only have a half a minute, but uh, you've got a report on uh, hospitals there? Yeah, they're filled up with COVID. The, um, I have to get a biopsy on my lymph nodes because they're swollen, and I can't get an appointment right now because the beds are all taken, and, and all the, the COVID is throughout the hospital, and nobody is allowed in there for unessential, uh, you know, so you could be uh, facing a serious disease, possibly even cancer, most likely an infection of some kind, and you can't even get it diagnosed because the because the hospital is full of COVID patients. Right, and they're keeping it on a low low by the governor. They're not talking about it. There's no reports out from the governor. Governor they're Kemp doesn't want to address this. Amazing, amazing, Bill. I wish you the very best. Uh, you know, I hope that Thank you can you, you can work this out. Thank you. I'm guessing that the, you know some of these uh, minor outpatient surgery centers are starting to do double and triple duty, but you know they're just not set up for this kind of stuff. You know, a center that you know where you might go to for you know skin cancer treatment or something, doing doing more extensive work. This is a tough one. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. For the Tom Hartman Book Club today, it's Waking the Witch, Reflections on Women, Magic, and Power by Pam Grossman. This is from the introduction. Witches have always walked among us, populating societies and storyscapes across the globe for thousands of years. From Circe to Hermione, from Morgan Le Fay to Marie Laveau, the witch has long existed in the tales we tell about ladies with strange powers who can harm or heal. And although people of all genders have been considered witches, it's a word that is now usually associated with women. Throughout most of history, she has someone to fear, an uncanny other who threatens our safety or manipulates reality for her own mercurial purposes. She's a pariah, a persona non grata, a boogie woman to defeat and discard. Although she's often been deemed a destructive entity in actuality, a witchy woman has historically been far more susceptible to attack than an inflictor of violence herself. As with other terrifying outsiders, she occupies a paradoxical role in cultural consciousness as both vicious aggressor and vulnerable prey. Over the past 150 years or so, however, the witch has done another magic trick by turning from a fright into a figure of inspiration. She is now as likely to be the heroine of your favorite TV show as she is its villain. She might show up in the form of your Wiccan co-worker 
or the beloved musician who gives off a sorcerous vibe in videos or on stage. There's also a chance that she is you and that which is an identity you've taken upon yourself for any number of reasons, heartfelt or flippant, public or private. Today, more women than ever are choosing the way of the witch, whether literally or symbolically. They're floating down catwalks and sidewalks in gauzy black clothing and adorning themselves with Pinterest-worthy pentagrams and crystals. They're filling up movie theaters to watch witchy films and gathering in back rooms and backyards to do rituals, consult tarot cards, and set life-altering intentions. They're marching in the streets with Hex the Patriarchy placards and casting spells each month to try to constrain the commander-in-chief. Year after year, articles keep proclaiming it's the season of the witch as journalists try to wrap their heads around the mushrooming witch trend. And all of this begs the question, why? Why do witches matter? Why are they seemingly everywhere right now? What exactly are they? And why the hell won't they go away? I get asked such things over and over, and you would think that after a lifetime of studying and writing about witches, as well as hosting a witch-themed podcast and being a practitioner of witchcraft myself, my answers would be succinct. In fact, I find that the more I work with the witch, the more complex she becomes. Hers is a slippery spirit. Try to pin her down and she'll only recede further into the dark, deep wood. I do know this for sure, though. Show me your witches and I'll show you your feelings about women. The fact that the resurgence of feminism and the popularity of the witch are ascending at the same time is no coincidence. The two are reflections of each other. That said, this current witch wave is nothing new. I was a teen in the 1990s, the decade that brought us such pop culture as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, and The Craft, not to mention Riot Girls and third wave feminists who taught me that female power could come in a variety of colors and sexualities. I learned that women could lead a revolution while wearing lipstick and combat boots, and sometimes even a cloak. But my own witchly awakening came at an even earlier age. Morganville, New Jersey, where I was raised, was a solidly suburban town, but it, it retained enough natural land features back then to still feel a little bit scruffy in spots. We had a small patch of woods in our backyard that abutted a horse farm, and the two were separated by a wisp of running water that we could cross via a plank of wood. When we were little, my older sister Emily and I would sometimes venture to the other side where we could feed the horses, an act that still scares me to this day, and pick fistfuls of clover. But the majority of our time was spent on our side of the stream, threading ourselves through the thicket of trees that served as our personal forest. In one corner of the yard, a giant puddle would form whenever it rained, surrounded by a border of ferns. We called this spot our magical place. That it would vanish and then reappear only added to its mystery. It was a portal to the unknown. These woods are where I first remember doing magic, entering that state of deep play where imaginative action becomes reality. I would spend hours out there creating rituals with rocks and sticks, drawing secret symbols in the dirt, losing all track of time. It was a space that felt holy and wild, yet still strangely safe. As we age, we're supposed to stop filling our heads with such nonsense. Unicorns are to be traded in for Barbie dolls, though both are mythical creatures to be sure. We lose our tooth fairies, walk away from our wizards. Dragons get slain on the altar of our youth. Most kids grow out of their magic phase. 
I grew further into mine. My grandma Trudy was a librarian at the West Long Branch Library, which meant I got to spend many a long afternoon lurking between the 001.9 and 135 Dewey Decimal sections, reading about Bigfoot and dream interpretation in Nostradamus. Waking the Witch by Pam Grossman. And uh, welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you, Jim, in Long Beach, California. Hey, Jim, what's up? Tom, good morning. A small town in West Texas, they just shut down the entire town. It's in an oil field because of COVID. 40% of the population tested positive. Wow. The school district, yeah. The school what? district was, it's on uh, about a good three hours west of uh, Austin, mm-hmm. uh, right there on the 10 by Odessa, yeah. Texas. I think that as school starts, particularly, I mean, school has started in some parts of the country, but it's going to begin in a really big way in about two weeks all across the nation. And I think we're going to see an absolute explosion. And, I, you know, if I if I was the parent of an unvaccinated child right now, I would not be putting them in daycare. I would not be putting them in public schools. I would be doing whatever I can to wait. It's just going to be a couple months. This vaccine is going to be approved for children. The debate is not whether it works for them. We know that it works for them. The debate is not whether it's dangerous or has side effects for them. We know that by and large it doesn't. The debate is what should the dose be? And they're doing all these different tests on different doses of this vaccine to get just, you know, hit the sweet spot for different age groups of kids. And that's a lot more complex process than just giving it to 40,000 adults, which is where they started with this, you know, a year, about a year ago. And uh, so my personal, this is just me personally. I would not let my kid. I would not expose my kids to this if that's what it came to. Yeah, it's unwise. Yeah, the school district was uh, was allowing optional masks. Uh, Yeah, of course. Well, there you go. They have already been shut down the week prior. Uh, We're going to see. We're going to see an absolute explosion. Jim, thank you for the call. Brenda in Atlanta. Brenda, we have 30 seconds. You got a quick one for me? Okay, all I was going to say is real quick, and thank you for taking my call, is this to me is trickle down, I and ran. Don't believe in the government. Don't do anything they say. You're your own person, your own man, and you can get away with what you want. You are absolutely right, Brenda. And let's remember, it was the Ayn Rand billionaire class that ever since Reagan has been promoting the idea the government can't do anything right. And what they really mean is keep my taxes low. Brenda, thank you. That was so succinct. That was perfect. And thank you for listening to us on SiriusXM there. We'll be back tomorrow, same bad time, same bad channel. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It actually only works when people like you and me get involved. And there are so many ways to get involved. So pick one. Tag, you're it. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.